Hello and welcome to the Essential Empowerment Podcast. My name is Amelia Adrian. Together in this space, we'll listen and learn about the ability of essential oils to heal and transform our lives. This is a place for us to diffuse wisdom, to share our understandings and to grow our appreciation for the power of plant medicine with essential oils. And I'm so glad you're here. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Great to have you back here listening in, joining in, sharing in the conversation with me. And today I want to talk about a difficult emotion or for some of us, a difficult emotion. Today I want to talk about the feeling of sadness. I have a lot of familiarity with this emotion and I actually feel pretty comfortable I think with being in it and that is something that has grown over time so I'm 50 I definitely wasn't comfortable feeling sad in my 20s or in my teens it was or perhaps even in my 30s it was something that I could express in work but to actually experience it and identify it close to myself as my own was probably very difficult for me. And I do see this around me in in kids, in friends, in clients, in students. I see that there is a difficulty in expressing what is one of the universal human emotions, one that we all know, one that we've all felt, one that we all recognize and that we all you know, can empathize with when we see that being Uh, that feeling rising in someone else or being expressed through somebody else or even being repressed from somebody else, we for sure identify and understand it. But I do believe there is a, a benefit in talking about it so that it can become recognized and understood as a feeling that we all carry, that we all have, that we all dive in and out of all the time. So we're in autumn here currently where I live and the wind has been blowing and the leaves have been kind of blowing through the air, blowing through the sky. And there's definitely a sense of poignancy around autumn. There's definitely that sense of um, things kind of pulling back, like a falling back, a returning. And within Chinese Five Elements theory, the autumn time is the metal time and the emotion associated with metal, with the element of metal, which is where we are right now, is a feeling of sadness or sorrow or perhaps even grief. I'm not going to talk about grief today, but I am going to talk about sadness. I think we'll do grief in a completely separate conversation all of its own because there's so much to unpack there. But I do want to look at sadness. So I'm curious what sadness is. What does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? We always have different understandings of these feelings through our own perceptions, through our own lens, through our own experiences. But I do like to start with a definition. So I looked it up and to be sad is simply as defined by, I think it was the Cambridge Dictionary that I looked up the definition in, was a feeling of unhappiness or of being sorry or of sorrow. Sadness itself, um, a feeling of being unhappy, and this was interesting to me, a feeling of being unhappy, especially because something bad has happened. I think that's an interesting 
understanding of the word sadness and does say a lot about our culture that to feel sad we have to frame it around this idea that something bad has happened i can for sure witness sadness in myself and in others as just that something has happened it doesn't have to be bad but something has happened a change a shift but to associate it with or define it even as something bad i think that's tripping us up a little bit as 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 being empowered in our feelings as being able to feel what we came here to feel of course often there's a feeling that something has been lost perhaps when we feel sadness there's there could be a quality of heartbreak to it for sure there's a tenderness to it uh, a vulnerability to it when it's expressed to self or to other and i would say when i tune into my own sadness often i'll locate it around the center of the chest around the heart center so even as i was researching this conversation today i started to feel like kind of a little because i really was tuning into the feeling and i started to feel this almost kind of little prickly kind of sad feeling around my heart as i was tuning into it and of course tuning into sadnesses that i have in my own life and bigger sadnesses that i see around me in others family friends and the world of course sometimes it's accompanied with tears but that doesn't have to be a definition of sadness i do think it's interesting to explore this question where do we feel our feelings because we don't feel them outside of our body for sure. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but consider for a moment or maybe just place your hand on a part of your body where you know you feel a feeling, an emotional feeling. Just placing your hand, I feel feel it maybe in my tummy, maybe you feel it in your chest, but it's definitely a, a body, it's bodily felt. And my belief is that we came here to feel feelings. We incarnated into this human form to feel all of the feelings ranging from joy to sorrow, with boredom being uh, also a feeling somewhere in the middle maybe that can be uh, a mask for other feelings. Sometimes boredom can be used as a way to numb feelings out. Sometimes if we scratch beneath the surface of boredom, I've uncovered a whole deep well of sadness or regret or other feelings that have been difficult to experience. And my sense is that we don't always need to medicate sadness away and sometimes that can be the response that can be a cultural response or even a familial response or oh, they're feeling so sad what can we give them like what pharmaceutical can we give them to take the feeling away and of course i'm not here to um to prescribe or to go in any way against pharmaceuticals i absolutely understand that they have their place and are incredibly valuable but i am curious in exploring the exploring the space where feelings are normal <laughs> normalized and they're allowed to be felt so having an intense emotion it's it's part of being human and actually it's healthy and also it serves us you know it takes us from one place to the next it serves as a as a bridge or as a path or even as a current like a flow that takes us from one state of being to the next uh, like a channel if you like and uh 
I'd suggest that as long as they don't exist for an overly long period of time, you know, months and years, then it's actually a very healthy way to be in touch with yourself. It's a, a very healthy thing to acknowledge. Of course, if they go on for years and months or if they are, uh, are, are, are too big, if they, are, if they become... Mm, disproportionate a disproportionate response to the event then of course this becomes problematic and can be a sign of kind of un or disharmonious regulation systems that we might have going on in our nervous system in our body in our coping mechanisms and of course i do want to acknowledge that there is a subject subjectivity within all of our responses so we'll all respond to an event in a different way of course so this isn't black or white, this isn't uh, linear even, but it is an interesting space to open up that feelings don't need to be medicated away all the time. Feelings can be felt, feelings can be useful, difficult feelings such as sadness can be bridges, can be channels, can be uh, uh, ways that we open up, ways that we open up to learn more about ourselves, to uncover more about ourselves. So let's reel this back a moment and again, look at it through the map of Chinese five element medicine, which I do love to uh, hang some of these theories or these ideas on as a template. So there is a classical Chinese text, classical Chinese medical text, which explores these uh, feelings and it's called the Su Wen. And it is from, I believe, the 1100s is the first kind of record of it. Don't quote me on that. And it explores seven emotions in this short paragraph that I'll read to you. It's referring to qi, and I'll also unpack the idea of qi again, even though we've looked at that previously, I think it's always helpful to just re-look re at it. So the text reads, I know that the hundred diseases are generated by the qi. When one is angry, then the chi rises. When one is joyous, then the chi relaxes. When one is sad, then the chi dissipates. When one is in fear, then the chi moves down. In case of cold, the chi collects. In case of heat, the chi flows out. When one is frightened, then the chi is in disorder. When one is exhausted, then the chi is wasted. When one is pensive, then the chi lumps together. So let's just highlight the sadness one for a moment there. When one is sad, then the chi dissipates. So what is chi? Let's re-examine it because it's something that every time I think I understand it, it's like a little elusive kind of um, will-o'-the-wisp that I can never quite land on. So this is a definition from Desiree de Lune in her book Elements of Emotion. She's a, an acupuncturist who works with uh, traditional Chinese medicine actually. And she says that which animates life is called qi. Qi is energy. It is what forms and moves everything. It's like the wind. You may not see it but you feel it. It circulates the blood in your body. It powers your muscles to move. It digests your food. Qi is our life force. It is the pulse of the earth and of everything that calls the earth home. Every essential oil, she works with essential oils if you don't know her already, every essential oil you see has its own unique way of moving qi. I find these definitions helpful. 
I find them helpful when exploring intangibles. So chi itself, kind of intangible, she expresses it as the, the, it's like the wind. So you know it's there, you can feel it, but you can't actually see it. And I believe the same is true with our emotions. We know they're there, but we can't, we can't necessarily always see them. Let's look at some ideas around sadness, what it is, what it isn't, and then I'll come on to some essential oils to support us with experiencing this, this feeling in a safe, held, comforted way so that we can acknowledge it and then move through it. I'm excited to talk about the oils because I had a really like curious discovery about one particular one, which I'm keen to share. Okay, sadness and depression, firstly, are not the same thing. Although, of course, sadness may be a feature of depression, uh, clinical depression, technically, depression is a range of symptoms. Sadness may be part of that, but it's a range of symptoms, symptoms such as chronic fatigue, loss of appetite, or even just fatigue, I shouldn't say chronic fatigue, low energy, insomnia, perhaps difficulty concentrating. So sadness, while it overlaps with depression, they are not the same thing. Also not the same thing are sadness and grief. Sadness and grief, two very different experiences and grief also has a full spectrum of, uh, of, of feelings associated with it. And I do believe it's one that we'll do a full conversation on. Interesting to know sadness could be or can be positive. It can be seen through a lens where it gives an opportunity to reassess, to reassess life, especially if there's a feeling of something has been lost or something has transformed in a way that feels to us sad. An opportunity to reassess. An opportunity within that reassessment to ask for help, which I know it's so hard to ask for help for many of us, but it is a brave and beautiful act to ask for help, both for yourself and for the person that you seek help from. Both are empowered in that moment and it brings a quality of uh, tenderness, it, it brings connection, it brings compassion, it brings sensitivity, empathy, full range of, uh, of positive opportunities when we ask for help. I also think it's interesting to understand or to, to posit maybe that sadness can help us be less judgmental, uh, more sensitive, more compassionate and more empathic. I know for myself, if I'm in a really sad place, it's actually really hard for me to be judgmental of other people. It's actually, it's almost like it's outside of, of, of the circle of my potential in that moment because I'm so tuned into what is difficult, what is heartbreaking, that there's much less space to criticize, to judge, both self and other, I would suggest. I, I feel it's really important to name our sadness, to name it, to acknowledge it for ourselves, very important and of course the first step, and also to name it and acknowledge it to somebody else. If there is a, a willing friend, family member, therapist, somebody who has a willing ear 
I'm always reminded of this quote from Tiffany Carole. I can't remember where I heard it, where I read it. I just know it came from her. And she says that being listened to is so much like being loved that it's hard to tell the difference between the two. And I always remember this because it just strikes straight to the center of my being as, as truth. <laughs> hmm. What's interesting is in that process of listening, is there a space, is there an opportunity to simply listen without hmm, a need to change or fix the situation? So whether that involves listening to ourself, whether that involves listening to a loved one, to a friend, a client, a family, a student, or whether you yourself are seeking to be listened to, sometimes it's, oh, I've experienced this in my own practice and my own life, that to do so with a clear, like a clear channel with no need to fix the other or to fix self, opens up so much more space and is very freeing and liberating for both parties. Because what I've experienced that in that moment is that the sadness is allowed. The sadness is allowed to exist. It's not seen as dirty, as shameful, as come on, let's like buck ourselves up and move out of that horrible, sad feeling. It's allowed, it's validated, it's given permission to exist. And this is where the key comes because when feelings are validated, acknowledged and allowed a space of existence, of truth, that's when they transform. That's when they can become something else. That's when they can transmute to a different experience, a different expression, a different feeling. And I heard somebody, uh, 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 she's actually a parent, a parental kind of guidance specialist. That's completely the wrong term for her. But that's how I've, I've experienced her and I've seen her. She's called Dr. Beck Kennedy. And she spoke about this in relation to supporting your children in their sadness. But actually, you could do this on anyone. I believe you could do this for anyone. And she talks about our children or anyone having this this metaphor of a garden so let's say there's a beautiful garden and within the garden there's all these different benches and within all these different benches are different feelings and different experiences and let's say for example somebody that you know a loved one a child a friend uh, a colleague is is in a particularly difficult emotional experience, let's call it sadness, and they're sitting on the park bench, the park bench, excuse me, of sadness. Now our, our cultural inclination, I would say, is to tell them to kind of buck up, come on, like, let's get going, like, come on, up you get off of that park bench of sadness, like, no need to say there, <laughs> like, hurry along now onto the next thing. And what is actually suggested by Dr. Beck Kennedy as the most powerful and helpful practice is to simply sit with them on that park bench in the feeling. Perhaps you hold their hand, perhaps you sit quietly. There's an acknowledgement. And she actually gives specific techniques around this, which I found really super helpful, which is when talking to the loved one, the friend, the client, the colleague, is to affirm their feelings, to validate their feelings with a simple phrase such as, wow, you really know that's what you're feeling. That's great. 
And what that does is it just helps everyone land in the space of like, I don't need to run away from this. I'm allowed to feel this way or that way. I'm allowed to feel sad. Mm. And then also she invites uh, a practice of asking that person, that friend, that family member, that loved one, that colleague, that client, just to tell us more, just, just tell me more about that. And I mean, how simple is that for us as the one who's helping to be relieved of the burden of fixing this sad situation? It's so helpful. And in practice, I have seen this open up incredible healing spaces, incredibly compassionate spaces. And it's really been a beautiful, beautiful practice that I've experienced in the last in the last few weeks, the last few months as I've tried um, well, not even tried, but just opened up my awareness that I don't, I'm not here to fix, I'm here to witness. I'm not here to fix, I'm here to witness and to be a compassionate listening voice, a compassionate listening presence. Brené Brown also talks about this. She says it in a slightly different way. And she says, in our saddest moments, we want to be held by or feel connected to someone who has known that same ache even if what caused it is completely different. We don't want our sadness overlooked or diminished by someone who can't tolerate what we're feeling because they are unwilling or unable to own their own sadness. And you know, sometimes that can be the experience is like, you're feeling sad and then that's making me feel sad and like, let's just quickly like rush out of this feeling, especially if it's somebody that we care about. But there's nothing wrong, there's nothing wrong with having some good old uh, feelings of sadness in your experience. Of course, if they start to linger for longer than we want them to, if it starts to become the defining experience within months and years, then of course there needs to be some different chain of events and some different path of um, course of action. But I'm just here to suggest that acknowledging the feeling of sadness, understanding, locating it in our body. Perhaps we start to do some work around tracing around the specifics of what it might be because some sadness can, can come up and it can actually be triggered by a certain event, but can maybe it can be old sadness. I'm suggesting that this gives space for our, chemi our chemical transformation, the alchemical transformation of our emotional life. And you know, we came here to experience this rainbow of emotions. That's what we came for. We came to experience the full gamut, the full range. Okay, good. Oils to support us in this experience, this feeling of sadness. My go-to, for those of you also um, in doTERRA land, this is a blend created by doTERRA. This is Console Blend. You could make up your own version of this, but they happen to have created something so completely soothing and wonderful. I call this blend a, a hug in a bottle. It's like a hug in a bottle. And it's just, it's just so comforting. And I've turned to it time and time and time again, and have also suggested it for other people who are in deep sorrow and in need of that sorrow being witnessed. And I do believe that the oils offer that space, that compassionate, loving uh, space where they can witness the feelings, they can hold the feelings, not fixing, witnessing. Within this blend, this console blend, we have frankincense resin, we have patchouli leaf, ylang-ylang flower, such soothing, 
um, oils, Lang Ylang particularly, labdanum, stem and twig, amorous bark, sandalwood, which we know is calming, rose flower, the oil of the heart, and osmanthus flower. Osmanthus gives a sense of harmony to all of those essential oils, so it will bring them all together, will blend them in this beautiful way. And some suggestions for how to use it is you can diffuse this blend where there is a, a time of loss uh, to bring comfort to the soul, to bring feelings of hope. So even in this time of loss, all things will move through and there is a sense of things transforming. Apply it over the heart center, either morning and night or as needed. It's just as a reminder to ourselves that healing takes time and there is a degree of patience. Sometimes we want things fixed, done and dusted. Sometimes we're like, okay, I'm feeling this feeling. I know I'm feeling it. I've acknowledged it. Can we just heal it now? <laughs> Can we just like move on? But sometimes our body needs to process it in a slower way. Sometimes it just takes a little bit more time and there's always different tools and different practices that we can do to help move things through us and just to also acknowledge that patience with healing is uh, uh, powerful patience with healing is powerful also you could just put a little bit of um, the console blend on your scarf and then have that with you through the day uh, just to help acknowledge remember remind you that there is a presence witnessing those feelings of sadness so that's my number one go-to for any kind of sad feelings also another blend i would use in this case in this situation would be air blend in the uk we know it as air blend in the states it's called breathe blend and the oils in this blend are laurel leaf which gives us courage Peppermint, which lifts the buoyancy of the heart, creates a sense of buoyancy around the heart. Eucalyptus leaf, this pungent eucalyptus, lifts the energy up. Tea tree, lemon peel, ravensara, and cardamom seed essential oils. So these are all oils supporting the lungs. Now, metal season, autumn season, remembering that the emotion associated with this season is sorrow, Metal season associates the lungs uh, with that with that time. So anything we can use to support the lungs is also going to support the metal element, is also going to support help to harmonize and balance feelings of sorrow and grief. So I like to just simply uh, apply this over the chest, almost like in a smile from the corner of one shoulder to the corner of the other shoulder, just applying it all across the front of my body there and I'll do it during yoga, I'll do it if I'm going for a walk, I'll do it if I just need kind of a lift, I just, just need to kind of open and expand and include my breathing in the process to remind myself to breathe if you like. So when we breathe in, we're in, uh, inhaling, we're inspiring, drawing inspiration in. When we breathe out, we're exhaling, we're releasing. So rather than holding on to the sorrow, what that blend is going to give us the opportunity to do is to allow it to move through, to allow us to breathe through it, breathe through it. Of course, some other common oils that we might want to use to support us in this time is, is any kind of floral oil. So something like rose would be the, the one that many of us would go to. It's the oil of the heart and acknowledging that the sorrow might be existing or living within that space is 
part of the healing process and rose can be an oil that can support in that and I won't talk too much about these but also citrus oils can be useful in this time citrus oils have this very expansive kind of uplifting quality so citrus oils can just help shift the state into a sunnier mood into a sunnier kind of place but I would tend to be using the citrus oils after acknowledging with some of those other oils that I've mentioned Okay, this was the kind of the, the surprise oil that I wanted to speak about. And it's one that I don't use very much, but I'm actually going to start using it much more now that I've done some research about it and I've come to understand it. It's green myrtle, also known as common myrtle. The Latin name, which I very rarely use Latin names because I think it's off-putting for people, is Myrtus communis. And I think that's just useful here because we also have lemon myrtle. So this is green myrtle, common myrtle, Myrtus communis. This was actually part of a collection that doTERRA created and was available two years ago and I think also last Christmas um, it's part of the ancients collection so some of you may have this already in your kits in your collection of essential oils but like me you don't really know what it's for or what to do with it so it's just kind of sat there dusty which is really <laughs> to completely um, be transparent with you which is what was what mine had done but when I looked up some of the oils that supported the feeling of sadness uh, green myrtle was one of the number one oils that came up in my research. So green myrtle, I'm just going to open it and smell it now so that I can just connect to it before I start to talk to you about it. Oh, yeah, it's going to be a really good one for me. It's very clarifying. As I'm breathing it in, I'm just holding it underneath either nostril. So I'm giving both pathways an opportunity to inhale it. So I'm just taking it aromatically right now through straight from the bottle. It has a pungent quality. Mm -hmm. There's some sweetness there and there's some green there. So pungent, remember, pungent lifts the energy up. Sweetness rocks us, soothes us and the greens circulates the energy. So I'm guessing you can already tune in to how this will be helpful for that feeling of sadness, of sorrow. So it has this kind of rising movement and a really strong affinity actually with the metal element. Green myrtle is grown in the Mediterranean, the, where we source it, uh, the, the Mediterranean and West Asia, also known as a uh, Corsican common name would be Corsican pepper. And for thousands and thousands of years, it's been used as a symbol of love, honor, happiness, and generosity. And I want to read to you just for a moment about some of the history of green myrtle. And sometimes I think it's super fascinating to see how it's been used through the ages. And it does give us insight into different perspectives rather than just the scientific perspective, which of course, scientific perspective is fantastic. But sometimes, particularly when we're dealing with the emotional uh, qualities of an essential oil sometimes I think it's interesting to see how it's been used culturally through the years because of course that cultural resonance um, uh, finds its way through to us today so the Greek goddess Aphrodite cherished her myrtle bushes the love she gave and sought was about the expression of true feelings and joyful connection Erato, the Greek muse of lyric and erotic poetry wore a head garland of myrtle and roses 
And in Roman times, newlyweds wore crowns of myrtle to celebrate their shared new step in life's journey. Also, interestingly, it was uh, used, um, it's thought to have qualities of purity, beauty, and even innocence, and definitely one for lifting the spirits. And also was used, the leaves and the flowers were used as a main ingredient for a skincare lotion, a rejuvenating 16th century <laughs> skincare lotion known as angel water. So I think I'm gonna add it into one of my skincare um, lotions or potions. I might just add it in a drop into a moisturizer. I might add a little bit into a carrier oil, a facial carrier oil. I use sea buckthorn oil sometimes on my face. So I might just add a little drop. I think I'll be careful because it's quite astringent. Um, but I would like to just try and play with that. Equally, I think what might be nice just being inspired by this name Angel Water is to have some distilled water, maybe a little bit of witch hazel in there and a couple of drops of the myrtle and to spritz the face. It would be very rejuvenating, very uplifting. Mmm, so good. <laughs> and on an energetic level, it brings about a quality of stabilizing, clarifying and energizing. This was particularly interesting to me. This is from Peter Holmes's book, Aromatica. He says that it balances the head and the solar plexus. So balancing the head and the solar plexus, and of course solar plexus is a source of our power. So to be able to balance the, the mind and then the, the source of our will, if you like, that's a very uh, engaging and powerful action to, to invite into your being. Peter Holmes says that myrtle is gentle enough to support a sensitive person to gain internal balance and emotional poise yet powerful enough to support the breaking of bad habits and addictions what i'm really interested in and what i find fun actually about the process of learning about the oils is that historical reference where there's so many references to love within within the use of myrtle really does help us understand how it can be a support around this feeling of sorrow because one of the great medicines for sadness and for sorrow is to be loved or as tiffany corral puts it to be listened to which is akin to being loved good Good. I think that's enough for green myrtle. I think that's plenty. I think that's um, interesting uh, oil for us to work with if we have it, to source it if we don't, and see if it's something that is going to be one that's going to support you in feeling validated, safe, and expressing these feelings of sadness. I want to finish on this idea that some sadness can actually correlate to enjoyment. This comes directly from Brene Brown, but also it is my own experience from Brene Brown's book, Atlas of the Heart, which I often use as a reference. Some experiences of sadness can be akin to enjoyment. Now, how, how might that be? Well, if you think about watching sad films and what that feels like and what that gives us, there can be uh, an opportunity when we watch a real weepy, a really sad film for validation of our own feelings. We can see feelings being mirrored back to us and also an opportunity to just like move stuff through, just move it through you. So watching a sad film can sometimes give you access or opportunity to 
release feelings of sadness that you may have that may not be easy to be released or experienced in regular life. I remember so I remember so clearly this experience I had. I must have been just hitting like teenagerhood, maybe 13, maybe 14, and I watched Terms of Endearment, the film with um, Shirley MacLaine and Deborah Winger and Jack Nicholson uh, in, on my own, in, I can see myself so clearly in, uh, in our living room, everyone else was doing other things and I just put it on by chance and started to watch it. And I remember being so completely enraptured by the movie and so shocked and surprised by the depth of feeling that I had in response to watching it, but also so validated in my response, as if, as if I was, as if my feelings had been seen, as if I was allowed to have that depth of emotion. Now I grew up in a house where we were super happy, there was lots of expression, lots of artistic expression, but there was something about watching this film that created a space for me to really feel seen and heard and understood that this deep well of emotion that we have as human beings is valid, is valuable, and is just part of the damn ride, it's part of the experience. I'm wondering, I'm curious what your go-to weepy movie is, if you have one, I'd love to hear. I'd love you to text me, message me if you know me, um, or DM me on Instagram if you want to find me there. I'm the Aroma Yogini, or email me. Just like your favorite movie, your favorite weepy movie. I bet we could create a beautiful collection of heartwarming, heart-wrenching films that allow us to feel what we need to feel and allow it to move through us, allow it to move through us. Good. Good. I think that's what I got for you this week. I hope you feel connected and in some way uplifted by this conversation and that it serves you and serves your loved ones and your nearest and your dearest as we move through this time where all feelings are allowed. Much love. See you soon.